When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Be sure to go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com for all of your equipment, apparel, and accessory needs. They've even got training aids. They've got all the great stuff from all the brands that you hear on our podcast every week. So once again, that is WorldwideGolfShops.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. Follow us all over social media at Golf Unfiltered. You can send me an email, adam at golfandfilter.com. And a big hello to all our friends listening at thehackersparadise.com. And, of course, our friends over at Cleveland, Srixon, and Zegzio. How's everyone doing out there, folks? I know it's been uh, it's been pretty crazy out in the world these last, well, I guess last few months now that we uh, are in the month of June. And, of course, there are many very important causes that are going on throughout the world And I know that you like to listen to this show for a distraction, and today hopefully we can provide that. But over the last couple of weeks, I think you've noticed that in the episodes we've produced, we've we've touched on at least one of the the global epidemics, and that is uh, COVID, of course, the coronavirus. And we've also talked a lot about just how golf has been impacted. When we had Alex DiPaolo on, he shared his story about you know, unfortunately. Uh, losing his job during this time. And then last week's guest with Stuart Goldstein, we uh, talked a little bit more about how the industry may be impacted from COVID. Well, today, I wanted to just kind of take a step back and and reflect on a few things that the golf industry, or maybe even just the game of golf itself, may have learned from this this time with this this virus. You know, obviously, a lot of organizations and companies have, have closed, and now they're slowly reopening. Here in Illinois, golf is uh, once again allowing foursomes and single rider carts. The tee times are now at 10 minutes apiece as opposed to the original 15. And things are beginning to feel a little bit more normal on the golf course. But I believe that there are at least three things that we have learned, that the game of golf has learned during this time, that I think should continue or at the very least adjust how things used to be because we can't go back to slow playing times in terms of pace of play and a few other items that I'm going to get to here in a second. So hope you enjoyed this conversation, folks. And before we get into it, just wanted to remind everyone to go out to thehackersparadise.com. Of course, you can listen to the rest of the THP podcast network, which includes our friends over at Off Course. Dan and Rob do a great job over there. And of course, Range Days, one of the more in-depth podcasts that you can listen to for specific pieces of equipment. We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. No big hype, no big price, but definitely a big deal. 
Take advantage of their factory direct model where you cut out the middleman and get the best products shipped to your door direct from the company. They've got a demo program to try out their products before you buy, a trade-up program to get these clubs in your hands even quicker, and special financing where you can split your payment into four to make these clubs even more affordable. Go to BenHoganGolf.com to learn more. All right, everybody, so let's dive into this. Three things that I believe that the game of golf should have learned and hopefully did from this whole experience with the pandemic. The first of which is, I think, something that uh, you've heard us talk about a lot. You've heard me talk about a lot, of course. And it's something that is a very hot topic every single year, not only in the professional ranks, but also with amateur golfers. And that is pace of play. Now, in the introduction to this show, I mentioned that here in Illinois, at least, when uh, everything shut down, uh, we had about 24 hours <laughs> of golf, despite uh, all other organizations and companies uh, and stores uh, going on lockdown. Unfortunately, uh, way too many people kind of grouped together and didn't take it very seriously, and our governor went ahead and shut golf down for a while. And then shortly thereafter, uh, which seemed like an eternity, if I'm <laughs> completely honest, uh, we finally opened back up with some pretty strict restrictions. Walking only, twosomes only, tee times were 15 minutes apart. Now, there were also a few courses in Chicago that uh, closed again, but that was for a, a different reason, I believe. But one of the things that I know golfers, at least myself, I know I can only speak for myself, I was very excited just to get back out on the course. And so... Uh, me and three buddies got together, went and played Ruffled Feathers here in uh, Lamont, Illinois. You know, obviously we paired up with, uh, you know, one other friend, of course, and we could only go out in twosomes, and we went and played. Walked nine holes. Been a long time since I walked. And that is not a uh, easy course to walk either. But we had a good time. And one of the things that we immediately recognized or immediately just popped out at us was, well, you can't really go into the clubhouse because that was closed. And really, you were only able to drive into the parking lot, get your sticks, walk to the first tee and go. So we, we did that. And it was, it was pretty nice, actually. And we get to the first tee and there was nobody in front of us at all. But the starter that was there said, you know what, you guys, you still got about five minutes. You got to wait. Not a problem. Had a couple of opportunities, you know, take a few practice swings, whatever. And then we played. And we had no problem in front of us, no problem behind us. There was really, it was a really nice round of golf, or at least nine holes. I remember one moment walking, I was playing with, uh, you know, obviously you guys know Matt Hackett that helps out with the, with the website. Uh, he was my partner that day, and we were just walking, and I was like, you know, man, I gotta say, this is this is pretty good, you know? We we didn't feel rushed, didn't feel like we had to wait at all, because we didn't. And then after the, the nine holes, you know, we played a little bit later in the day, our uh, other two friends who were in the tee time behind us, they pretty much said the same thing. Now, I completely understand that that's not a sustainable system or tee time frequency for golf courses. I know that they want more players. I mean, you can't, you can't have six players go out, or whatever it is, 
uh, you know, eight players go out in an hour. You need more. And luckily now, you know, fast forward to, as I think it was last weekend at the time of this recording, we were allowed now to play in foursomes and we could use single-player carts. So, of course, we went out again. This time we were able to actually play in a group together. This time we played at one of Cog Hill's courses. Everyone played by the rules, no issues, certainly a lot more golfers. And tee times were 10 minutes apart at this point. There were a couple instances towards the end of the round, I believe, and we played a full 18 holes this time. There were a few instances where it was, uh, you know, we had to wait a little bit. I think it's just the nature of the beast when you have more people on a hole. But even then, it still seemed to be a pretty good pace. We got done in just over four hours, which really wasn't so bad for us uh, for that round. And so I know that as the world, as the country, as our state continues to open up a little bit more, we'll probably see more and more restrictions lifted. Quite frankly, I know of a few golf courses around in the area, and they will remain nameless, that uh, have already pretty much done that, allowing foursomes and two per cart, whatever. I guess you're always going to have a few people who are defiant. But regardless... It's going to happen, and it's a good thing, because we're going to have more people out on the golf course. How are we going to respond to the the positive feedback that has been given to courses, I'm sure, because I know I've left it with the ones I've played, on how good the pace of play was? The other thing that we saw a lot of in those rounds of golf that I just mentioned were the marshals. They were actually out doing their job. What a novel concept. Some of you listening to this are probably thinking, what are you talking about? The marshals at my course do that all the time. Well, consider yourselves lucky, because I can tell you that's not a standard across the the nation by any means. But they were out there. They were keeping pace of play moving. They were making sure everyone was, you know, abiding by the rules in, you know, they they weren't being tough guys out there by any means. But, you know, I think everyone, just the presence of them, understood that, hey, you know, we still got to stay apart from one another, all that stuff. So one of the lessons I think that golf can learn from this is let's let's really continue this experiment with different tee time spacing. Let's also continue to experiment with some of the things that I just mentioned, and I'm going to mention again here in a minute. But I really think that it would be a failure on our part as a game, as an industry, if we go back to overloading tee sheets. Now, I'm sure there are... Club pros listening to this, I know a few of you already that do, and you've already shared this opinion with me, and I can almost hear you right now. How do you expect courses to maintain budget, to to continue, you know, all the costs that are associated with maintaining a course? How do you expect that to happen if we don't get more golfers on the course? I don't have the answer for you. I don't. But what I do know is that pace of play is a huge customer satisfier or dissatisfier, depending on your preference. And I know that pace of play is entirely relative. There was a thread on the hackersparadise.com talking about this too. The fact is, though, is that we can't go back to, I think one of the courses in the area I, I saw was like seven minute tea times, six minute tea times. That's ridiculous. We can't 
go back to the way that things were in regard to the number of people we try to push out on the course. We can't. So that kind of goes into the second thing, and I already mentioned it, but the second thing that we can uh, we definitely learned was the experiment regarding single player carts, single rider carts. Now I know that this is you know it's not that new. I've played golf, you know, solo using a cart myself many times before. All, all of us have listening to this, but for some reason there was always this. I don't know. Maybe it was because of, you know, you don't want to mess up the course or you want to limit the risk of somebody, you know, driving on a green or something. I don't know. But there was always just this taboo about having more than one, than two golf carts in a foursome. Believe it or not, that's also not a novel concept. I know a lot of private clubs, the one I used to work at growing up, yeah, we, we didn't let a few fivesomes go out. You know, no big deal. There'd be more than two carts out there. Single rider carts, even as many as four in a group, it's not a problem. It feels a little weird. Almost feels like you're in a, you know, a Calvary. <laughs> you're just kind of, you know, riding up like a posse. You know, I don't know, like the Magnificent Seven or whatever. But at the end of the day, everyone's able to, you know, do their own thing. And I think that's really why, to go back to the first uh, lesson that we learned regarding pace of play, I we played pretty quick walking. All you do is just go straight to your ball, and that's all you're responsible for. The same thing is just faster with single rider carts. And so I really implore a lot of courses, all the courses that at least I come in touch with, to to really allow that. You know, wh- why do we have to have two players to a cart? Now, I also understand that not all courses have a golf cart fleet big enough to meet the demand of everybody who wants to ride. I get it, and I'm sure many courses uh, during this time, at least temporarily, had to rent more, and that comes at an added cost. But if you can get more players out there while maintaining appropriately spaced tee times, and they can get their rounds done faster, maybe we can have a quicker turnaround with those carts. I don't know, just saying. I think this was a very interesting experiment, And I thought it worked really well. Now, that leads, of course, to the third thing that I think we uh, we all learned during this this time. Uh, You know, there's there's so many things out on a golf course that 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 you touch just without thinking about it. I know that sounds weird, but, you know, you think about the flag sticks, you think about the rakes and bunkers, you think about the golf ball, the golf tees just laying around. If you walk up to a par three, this is something that I'm notorious for doing, and I know a lot of the guys uh, in my normal group do the same. You just try to find a tee that's laying around because you don't want to break one of yours. And there are a number of other just random objects out there that you just naturally, you know, pick up, throw to the side if it's in your way or, or whatever. And uh, at least for me, I don't know if it was just, just my nervous nature or whatever, I was really hyper aware of that, playing golf. And I've played golf probably five or six times during this uh, the pandemic months. It was just really an odd thing to just be aware of. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. 
But I know even like just walking through the street, you know, my, my wife and I will go for walks because uh, I'm working from home. We'll go for walks during lunchtime and we'll just go ahead and, you know, just say, I just hate, I don't like being around people right now. It feels weird. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really liked playing golf these last few times, even more so than normal, because it's like you're in your own little protective bubble. You know, and I heard that analogy uh, was um, told to me by uh, another friend, um, Bill Bush, who some of you who've watched our live streams know, uh, he said something very similar. And it, so, but even then, it was still like, wow, I, I can't touch that flag stick. They're telling me I can't. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm not supposed to. There's this weird pool noodle thing in the, in the hole now, or the hole's upside down. There's just a lot of stuff. You know, there's just a lot of stuff. Uh, even stepping up to the first tee, looking for the bucket of water to wet my towel, you know, for courses that have that. There's no ball washers anywhere for courses that don't have the bucket of water, you know, stuff like that. So all of that to say the third thing that at least I learned is that we don't need a lot of that stuff in order to enjoy this game. I know the flag stick debate you know that was really hot and heavy a couple years ago you know filtered over into this year of course but then all of a sudden it's like nope you got a putt with the flag stick in no matter what don't even touch it i tried it before i was indifferent a few friends of mine really don't like having the flag stick in but i think ultimately and we've we've talked about this as a group we don't mind it anymore it's really not that big a deal sure there are some instances where the the flag stick's blowing and, you know, you have a, you know, it, it, the flag stick moves in the hole. One side's a little bit wider than the other. That's easily managed. It's not a big deal. I mean, if if the handicap uh, governing bodies or whatever, you know, they're, they're going to allow you to post scores even with these, these cup restrictions or, you know, uh, these adjustments that they've made, these compromises, I guess, then, then who cares? If the ball hits the flag stick and you think it was going to fall anyway, then just count it. It's not a big deal. Pick it up and let's go. Rakes and bunkers is another thing. Truth be told, and I don't think this is going to be a huge confession, but I have been known to just kind of, you know, fix my my sand marks or my ball marks in a bunker with my my club, and it's perfectly fine. It's just as good as a rake. I know that some of you are hearing that, and you're probably going to let me have it. But yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. And then, you know, with the ball washers and everything else, you just don't need that stuff. You really don't. You really don't. And so I, I am in favor of doing away with all of those things. You know, leave the flag stick in. Who cares? That's probably the lesser of any of those evils. So pace of play, single rider golf carts... And then just doing away with all the ancillary objects that are out there on a golf course. I think those are three relatively easy, of course, some easier than others, uh, lessons that we can maintain, adjustments that we can continue, even after COVID is apparently no longer a thing. Let me tell you what, this past weekend was 100% the time when everyone just kind of stopped caring about about the pandemic, let me tell you. I mean, it's just—I mean, walking around, it is—it is, it is uh, so interesting how this uh, this is all playing out. And I know that there's other things going on too. But as far as you know, related to the game that we love, 
it's nice to get out. It's nice to be out with, with people you like, playing a game we all enjoy, and just forgetting about stress for a little bit. Believe it or not, I still believe golf is a stress reliever, even though it makes me so damn mad sometimes. <laughs> You know, a fourth thing, you know, maybe a, an added bonus thing that I continue to think about is, you know, I've not stepped into a pro shop in months. And I know that that's where a lot of courses, that's a big revenue generator. Probably, you know, probably not as big as, you know, tea times or even the driving range and, and lessons and what have you. But, you know, you got to sell merchandise. I think that's going to change. I really do. Last week when Stuart Goldstein was on, we talked about that a little bit, and I know courses in my area, they're, they're finding ways to, you know, find alternative methods, I guess, to push products onto people, and they have to. That's a good thing. I was just at the range today over at, at uh, Ruffled, and right there on the first tee, you walk right up, they got dozens of golf balls, they got a couple shirts on racks, you know, they got a couple other, you know, accessories that you can purchase, all right there. Right there on your way. I think it's I think it's a great idea. Probably not ideal. It's probably a huge pain to wheel all that stuff out onto a table and set it up. But still, people are getting creative. And you have to be. We all have to be. I don't think it's too far-fetched to assume, at least in some areas, maybe some municipal courses, executive courses, you know, smaller ones, that pro shops are going to dwindle. Just the presence of them. Online tea time booking, very convenient. I prefer it. I love the fact that I could just book online, park in the driving uh park in the parking lot, get out of my car, go to the first tee. I'm not one that likes to warm up too much before a round. I really I really don't care. Maybe maybe roll a few putts. You know, I've got a friend that uh told me that there's at least a, a course in Chicago. Uh, pretty well-known, well-known course. Um, they're they're considering doing away with their pro shop completely. I don't want to mention the name right now because I'm not sure if it's uh, something I'm supposed to be saying. But you know, we just had a frank conversation about it, and he said, "Yeah, we're thinking about it. There's no reason to have it. It actually costs us more to keep it open. They don't have a lot of merchandise in there, but still." I think businesses are going to have to think differently, and they're going to just respond differently. Curbside service is a big deal. Can you do that in a in a golf pro shop? I don't know. I bet there's a way to do it. So you're listening to this, and I appreciate you tuning in. Let me know your thoughts. Send me an email, adam at golfandfilter.com. You can find us all over social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Golf Unfiltered. Let me know your thoughts. What are some of the things that you, uh, pros and cons, that you experienced playing golf during these last few months? I know some states are different than others. I know some have remained open with very little restrictions. Others have had even more restrictions than we did at Illinois. But not everything was negative about it. What are some of the things that you enjoyed about it? Because I know, I've, I've seen your tweets, folks. I've seen the messages that you've sent me. You've said, yeah, I kind of liked it too. Let me know. Let us know. We'd like to hear more about it. And once again, folks, I just hope everyone's staying safe out there. I know that I've, uh, you know, <laughs> I get myself into some trouble sometimes on social, and you guys have probably seen me take a couple uh, 
steps away from golf on my feed recently, but you know what? It's important, and I think you guys know that, and I I know that many of you have uh, reached out with your support of that, and I'm not going to stop doing it. I'm not. It's just, you guys know me by now. That's not what I do. I tend to uh, just let, I don't, I don't tend to stay in my lane very well. You can, you can go places that do that. You can, you can go find them. You probably already do. We don't do that here. So I appreciate your understanding and support about it. It's not about us though. You know, the stuff that we talk about when it's not golf related, it's about something bigger. So you know, I don't want to get into, you know, politics or anything else that's going on right now, but end of the day, just be kind to one another. You don't have to agree with everything that the other person says. But for for crying out loud, just be kind. That's all you have to do. And if you don't want to be with that person, then just smile and turn away. That's stuff that we learned when we were growing up. At least some of us did. I hope we all did. Times like these, it helps us remember that, hey, maybe that meant something. Maybe that was good advice. I wish the best for all of you. Thanks again for tuning in. Keep in mind, uh, hit us up. Email, social, let us know your thoughts on, you know, our thoughts regarding the things that I believe we learned in golf uh, during this time. I'd love to hear yours as well. We'll be back again next week, folks. Thanks for tuning in.